Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. to have our family, the Odutons family, to read the Bible this morning. I am Wally, and here is my beautiful wife. Lovely. We are reading today from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 13. Okay. Verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter stone, and a time to gather stone. A time to embrace, a time to turn away, a time to search, a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be quiet, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Last night. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded, there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Amen. Amen. May God bless his word. May God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the service. Bye. How many of you are glad to be here today with us? He's written eternity in our hearts. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone streaming us remotely today. I'm thrilled to call a couple of people up here today. So let's start by calling up my wife. And Pastor Larry. <laughs> and Pastor Larry's wife, Colleen. I see here. Where's, Where's she hiding? Colleen? Where's she hiding? Colleen, come Colleen, on up. Come. 
It's okay. I'll, yes. I'll, I, I, just for a short time. Just for a minute. These two knew they were coming up. She didn't know she was coming up. So I don't know about you, but we've been doing uh, 40 Days of Thankfulness, the Thankfulness Challenge. And we're on day 22. You guys are looking at me. Are none of you doing the Thankfulness so Challenge with some? I, I see someone back there. So we wanted to say today we are thankful for Pastor Larry and Colleen. Yes. They are a great blessing to us personally. And uh, we know that there was much in God's plan for your life. And, you know, your heart is, is far away in another country where you spent many years. And you have some children there and children out west. But um, we're super glad that God has arranged our paths to walk together for a season. I want to say thank you so much and we know that you have had to set some things on the altar to God some dreams but we want you to say thank you for your obedience and we hope that you see that your obedience to come to Windsor Christian Fellowship and become part of our family here has brought such blessing to this house as God is connecting you and weaving relationships in every detail of your life thank you for your sacrifice thank you for your obedience and Pastor RJ and I are so grateful that you came here to be with us. Thank you. Aren't you glad you came off, Colleen? <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, listen, uh, today, uh, this message is finally happening. Some time ago, we were talking about it. Uh, so, Pastor Larry and my wife are going to teach for you today, Beautifully Broken. Enjoy. Oh, I guess I'm starting. Yes, you are. <laughs> Larry and Mary. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's an incredible privilege and honor to be up here and um, to be sharing with you. And, um, you know, as we were listening to um, Wooly and, and Lola uh, reading scripture from Ecclesiastes, you know, I always find that passage to be so full of contradiction and, and whatnot, and it, and it just stirs and brings confusion in my heart. And then we have a title, Beautifully Broken, and, and even those two words bring incredible contradiction. How, how can something broken be beautiful? And, and so we want to establish, we're, Pastor Mary and, and myself are gonna be doing two messages, not just one, two, today and then on the 15th, uh, to establish this message. In a very short period of time, because this could be, like we're condensing a lot of information. Yes, we so. are. <laughs> but, you know, to start us off here, I want to establish God's initial plan for mankind. And we're going to start by reading in Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 28. Um, I believe in this passage here, verse 28 right to 31, um, God really identifies very clearly his plan for mankind. And it starts out in verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them, talking to Adam and Eve, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life. And that is what happened. You know, as you can see here, we've got this pot here. 
and in its state for its purpose and function, it's created perfectly. It's created beautiful. And um, the architect or the designer of that pot afterwards, he looks at it and he says, it's good. As, Jesus, as God, in verse 31, he says, he looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. It was very good. And you know, we get this understanding that before the fall, when God created everything, that's a long time ago. That doesn't necessarily relate to me because it's, it's another story. But you know, I want to clarify a few things. First, even after the fall, in Psalm 139, verse 14, the psalmist says, thank you, he's talking to God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. We're created perfect. We're created beautiful. You know, when God created everything, we need to understand something. Just as God created the world for man, he also created man for the world. He created human humanity to have leadership over all that he created. God said to Adam, everything that I have created is not just for you. It is for you, but it's also for your stewardship. You are supposed to take care of it. You are supposed to cultivate life within it. That was God's design. And God's design did not change just because sin entered the world. It complicated the plan, but the plan still stayed the same. Just as man was created before the fall to cultivate life, he still needs to do the same after the fall. But after the fall, it becomes harder, like I said. And so man needs to cultivate from brokenness to wholeness, from death to life. That's God's intent for humanity. That's God's intent for each and every one of us. Our purpose, our plan, our, our responsibility is to be stewards of the people that God puts in our life over everything that he entrusts in our care. To bring from brokenness to wholeness, from death to life. So as we continue, and we're going to continue to talk about so beautifully broken, but as we continue to talk about it, it's really important that we set a biblical foundation and a framework for how we're gonna process being beautifully broken. And it's really important that we read this morning in scripture how you know God has placed eternity within our hearts. And his perspective is eternity, and he knows the beginning from the end. So he has seen it all. He's made a plan for it all, and even before the fall, he made a plan for Jesus. So that in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he created them, but he gave them a gift. He gave them the gift of free will. He gave them a choice. So in that framework, and we're talking about 
being beautifully broken and how God works in us to bring us to that place, but he does so in the scope and his perspective in eternity. So as we go through that, um, God gave Adam and Eve instructions. He said to them, he gave them a choice. He said, I've given you everything to eat in the garden, the tree of life and every plant here in it. And he gave them one instruction and he said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, how do we know something? You know, the only way that we really can know something is that we experience it we, and we have lived it out. And that Adam and Eve at that time before they sinned knew God. They knew life. They knew of his goodness. They knew of his provision. They knew his love. But at the moment they ate the fruit, they would experience the knowledge of good and evil. And they would begin to experience from that moment on evil in the world. And God, in his wisdom, and I'm convinced that we will, can never understand to the scope and and the magnitude that God understands how and why, how precious it is, our choice, our freedom to choose, our free will. That he created a world that evil could exist if you chose it. But in the scope of God, knowing the end from the beginning and how he is seeing everything from eternity, from the end from the beginning, that we have to understand that as we're taking the information in and processing it, that we're processing it from a biblical foundation of what the word of God says. And that we're not taking things that are experienced to form truths that become part of our lives. Because we have to stay connected and focused on what the word of God says. And even though, see, we can adopt a framework and a belief system that goes against the word of God and we revert to it automatically as our default when bad things happen. And we ask, why God, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why? We don't have enough time to answer that question. And frankly, I don't have all the answers. But in one word, in the scope of God's wisdom, in eternity, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And God said in his word, Though there may be suffering, though there is great pain, though there will be evil and darkness in the world, he also says there will be love, there will be joy, there will be peace, there will be happiness. They will, they will exist together, but at the end of all things, God also reminds us in his word and he says, Nothing, nothing in all of creation is hidden from me. Nothing. Everything is naked and exposed before me. And every deed done 
and every word spoken, you will give an account for it. He is just. He is good. He is merciful. He is long-suffering. He's so much more. He is love. And in the scope of all of that, even though there is evil in this world, God says, I've made the way. Take heart in my son, Jesus. So as we continue, I want to talk to you guys about some of those things that we can adopt in our lives, those belief systems. We're going to call them myths that we can, that we say as Christians, that we say them and, and, and we mean them to be good. Um, and we, and we can, um, put them in a framework into our lives that we adopt, like I said, into when bad things happen and we can't understand. We just, something so horrible, so tragic has happened and you can't even make sense of it. And the only way you can is to say the things that you've heard said. And one of the myths that I want to talk about is the first one that we say often, and I've heard it many times, God uses people. And that's a myth because if we are going to say that God has given you a choice and given you a free will, God does not use his creation. You are not his slave. You are his child. We sang about that this morning. When you enter into a relationship, biggest truth one of the in a healthy relationship I don't have time to even talk about toxic ones in a healthy relationship the hugest truth is the ability to enter that relationship of your own free will choice you know pastor RJ and I and pastor Larry we have the, had the privilege of of marrying couples and entering in the union of marriage and one of the statements that we say and the things that we say to them is that do you enter into this union soberly, of sound mind, freely, willingly? Entering into this relationship, you have a choice, free will. And who are we, church, to Jesus? Who are we to him? We are his bride. Or his bride. So he comes to us and he says, freely, soberly, of sound mind, do you want to enter into a relationship with me? I don't want to use you. Because that would make God a user. Have you ever been used? Does that feel good to be used? to be taken advantage of for somebody else's gain and purpose? Does it leave you with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does it leave you feeling negative things? That's not our God. He doesn't use his children. That would make you a pawn in the greatest, hugest chess game ever, that he's just moving the pieces all around and he's up there just having some fun. I'm going to do this to you, and I'm going to do this to that one, and ooh, and I'm going to like move that one over there. That's not what God does. But the truth of what God does in and who he is 
That is part of his character. That is part of the gift that he's given us in free will and the freedom to choose is God works in us to work through us. He has to partner in his great wisdom. God has chosen to work with us, to work in us and through us, to be a part of eternity, to be a part of somebody else's eternity, to be a part of our own eternity. Isn't he awesome in his wisdom and how amazing and how good that he is? I want to read Romans 8.28. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. I've done a lot of searching. I've asked Pastor Larry to help me with this, that I cannot find anywhere in the Bible where it says that God uses us. Nowhere. But God works in us. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. The same verse in New Living Translation renders, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those God has called according to his purposes. 1 Corinthians 12, 6, New Living says, God works in different ways with all of us, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Philippians 2.13 in the New Living says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. In NIV, it says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Have I made the point yet? God works in you with your will. Do you know that as a Christian, you can put the brakes on that and put the wall up and God can't work? because it's against your will. You've put the wall up and you won't allow him in. You know, personally for me, when I was a born, became a born again Christian at 24, and when I entered the church and began to learn and just grow in my relationship with God, it was a real stumbling block for me that I would always hear the preacher say or people tell me, God wants to use you. God wants to use your life. He wants to use you. And if you've ever been used and taken advantage of, especially by someone who's in authority over you and is supposed to keep you safe, and your innocence is stolen, and you've been used and abused at the hands of somebody, and this wasn't your choice. Being used is a trigger word. It wasn't a good word for me. The walls went up. God couldn't work. I couldn't relate to him as being my father, as being someone who is an authority over me if he was going to use me. Nope. But when I went to God and I said, Lord, honestly, before him, and I said, God, 
Is it wrong for me to say that I don't want to be used by you? I don't want you to use me, Lord. I don't know what that means. I was a new Christian, but I don't know what that means, Lord. But I don't want you to use me. And God came to me, and he talked with me, and he said, Mary, I don't want to use you. I came to serve you. But I'm asking you, I'm coming to you, and I'm asking you, will you serve me? Yes, Lord. If you're asking me, yeah. Yeah, I want to serve you. God doesn't use us, church. He works in us. Amen? Myth number two. God doesn't give us more than we can handle. How many of you know that that's a myth? So let's go to the source of where that comes from. Let's go to scripture because we pull that out of its context and make it to mean something else as a way of comforting ourselves in some way. And it says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation in the Amplified Bible, no temptation regardless of its source has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with great joy. This whole chapter actually talks about trials, testing, temptation. And we take a phrase out of that and say, God won't give you more than you can handle. Number one, God didn't give you if we are foundationally secure in the doctrine and what the word of God says. He didn't give you that test, that trial, that temptation. That's not what he gave you. In fact, the word of God tells us in James 1, 13 to 14, in the Passion Translation, it says, and when you are tempted, don't ever say God is tempting me, for God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and he is never, everybody say never, never, Number three times, never, the source of temptation. Instead, it is in each person's own desires, thoughts that drags them into evil and lures them away into darkness. And one translation even says brokenness. There is one place that God will give you so much more than you can handle. One place. And that's in your God story, in your purpose, in your destiny, in the plan that God has for your life. It is more than you can handle. Because if you want the God story for your life, not your story, the God story, you need him to fulfill it. You need to lean on him. If you're, you don't need God to sit in the boat. You don't need him to sit in the boat. You're safe in the boat. But you need God to step out of the boat and do what he's called you to do. You need God to walk into the deep. You need God to walk on water. 
But it's your choice to step out of the boat. It's your choice to go with him where he's leading you. Because that is the only place where God can sustain you. You won't be able to sustain yourself. Why did Jesus need to die on a cross if you got it? And God's not giving you more than you can handle. How horrible would he be to make his son suffer and die for nothing? What kind of God is that? But he made the way through Jesus so that you could have a life more abundantly. And then he, he works in our brokenness, makes something so beautiful, and he gives us beauty for ashes. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 in the Passion Translation, it says, But he answered me. My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I celebrate my weakness, for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I am not defeated by my weakness, but delighted for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment. When I am surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. If you want God's power to be demonstrated in your life, if you want God to work in you, to work through you, it is through your brokenness. It is through your weakness that God gets the glory. Does God get any glory if you're just sitting in the boat? You got this. You can do it. Why do you need him? God gets the glory when we step out and he does what only he can do. Amen? Amen. Pastor Larry, I won't go into myth number three. We just don't have time. <laughs> can I divert a little bit? Yeah, of course. As the Spirit meets you. How many of you like stories? Yeah. After all, he has a choice. Can I... I <laughs> Do you mind if I tell a few stories? <laughs> and while I'm telling some stories, I'm, I'm going to do some visual, visual stuff here. God created me perfectly in his image. And yet, sometimes things happen in our life. These things make me, I can't see you very clearly. Pastor Larry, that was my fault. I totally forgot to cue you and tell you. Yeah, you were supposed to cue me. So that's, that's why, why I, it's a partnership. It left me feeling broken. <laughs> No, it's all good. Through a relationship. But you know, sometimes in life, things happen that are outside of our control that make us feel broken. The very way in the birthing order in which I came in my family caused a problem for me. I was born out by, I'm a farm boy, okay? So I was born into a big family. I'm not saying that all farmers have big families, but mine did. And uh, I had two older sisters, and then right after, two older brothers, and then there was a three-year gap, and then there was me. And then I have two younger sisters after two years. So as I got older and wanting to play, my older brothers wanted nothing to do with me. I'm sure you understand what that's like. Three years difference, that's huge. My two younger sisters, they wanted to play Barbies. 
I was not into Barbies. So I got felt being alone, isolated, sure. And then to make matters worse, my brothers, the conniving <clears throat> that they were, everything that they did that was bad, I got disciplined for it. And so it left me feeling incredibly broken to the point where I can't tell you how often I wished and I would dream about being a part of another family. And it's not, honestly, it's not that our family was really that broken, but it's the way I responded to the circumstances and the situations around me. Oh, I'm supposed to wear these. I forgot. But you know, I got a little broken. And then I go into, into elementary school and um, grades three, four, and five. Because of my own insecurities, partially I would imagine, the way I portrayed myself to other kids, to the teachers, I was told that I would never amount to anything. That I, and I just grew up feeling, I'm just a farm boy, I'm good for nothing. And so, you know, with these things, these circumstances that are completely outside of my control, sometimes we start giving way and we start forming habits that are not healthy because we're looking for acceptance. We're looking for he healing, in essence, emotional healing. And you know how when you're sick, the doctor gives you a prescription, right? And you're supposed to take it. Otherwise, you, you can't heal. If you don't take it, you're not going to heal, right? But see, in the, in the flesh, we sometimes go to these places where we think we need to heal ourselves, and so we self-medicate. Broken some more. And self-medicating just leads to more shame, more brokenness. Shall I try and put that back together again? We feel so broken that we sometimes we even give oh. up. Well, we actually, you know what? I was going to ask somebody All right. to come volunteer to do it. All right. But I want to tell you a few stories, more stories, showing how I tried to heal myself. And so, I don't know, if you want to do it, you're welcome to do well, it. Well, you continue on. I could try. All right. I don't know that I'll do it as good as Miss Kim did it in the first service, but I'll try. It's, it's broken, so I don't think <laughs> you broken. need the glasses. <laughs> you know, you want to come help? I felt like Peter. <laughs> I felt like Peter when... Um, he was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was part of the inner circle. And yet, and yet Peter, in a moment of crisis, he denied Jesus Christ three times. Now, I don't know you. I don't know him, he said. And then upon the moment of, of hearing the rooster crow twice, he was broken. In fact, in... Um, 
Mark chapter 14, verse 72. And he broke down and wept. Do you know how often do we deny our relationship with Jesus? Because not only of the things that we say or do, but how often do we reject and deny him because of the things that we don't say or do? We like to package our lives in little boxes, organized. And as long as we're doing all the things that in our minds we believe are the right things to do, then we're okay. But see, there's things in Scripture that it says we're supposed to do, but no, 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 that's, that's not comfortable. I don't like that. And so we don't do them. And in not doing them, we end up being just as much of a sinner than by doing the things that we're not supposed to do. Another type of brokenness described in Scripture is by King David. In Psalm 55, it, it referenced how King David was betrayed by his closest friend and how it just left him feeling completely broken. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend? It hurts. It hurts. You know, I can't count the number of times I've been betrayed by people, sometimes the ones most closest to me. And it leaves us feeling broken. Another type of brokenness is, is suffering and sorrow. Lamentations chapter 3 talks about it. The prophet talks about the, the loss that's experienced. And I remember while we were missionaries in Bolivia, I had really gotten close to one of Colleen's cousins. And uh, he was much younger than me, but there was something about his spirit that just was so attractive. He was a friend to everybody, and, and he had such a heart of compassion and, and really seeking after the, the health and the life of others. He was selfless, and I really grew to love that young fellow because of a tragic accident at the age of 16. He was electrocuted, burned from the inside out in front of his father. Sometimes in moments, we just cry out, Why, God? There's so much going for him. How could you take him? Why now? Something I didn't mention in the first service, but I'm going to mention it now. More souls came to the Lord after his death than through his life. A lot of times... We have expectations in life, right? You do certain things, you expect results, right? But what happens when things don't turn out the way you expect? I wonder, how about Elijah? Just completing, proving that God was real, fire came down, licked up the altar, 
proving Baal false, all the prophets of Baal destroyed. What a victory. He was on cloud nine. In just a moment's notice, his life is threatened and he's running. And he hides in a cave, broken, wishing he could die. Have you ever felt like that? How about Joseph? Betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt. And then it seems like maybe things are turning around and, and things are getting better and, and he's rising up into a position of, of head over all of Potiphar's house and, and everything he owned. Maybe that was the purpose of the dreams way back when he was a kid. And then, if bad was not bad enough, it gets worse. Betrayed by Potiphar's wife. Accused of something he didn't do. Man, I know what that's like. My brothers did that to me all the time. And he went seven years in prison until God brought him out. And he said to his brothers, in a moment of when he could have had retribution, he says, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. You see, sometimes God is pulling us places. He's pulling us out of an ex- uh, certain experiences and situations. And we feel, Lord, what's going on? Why is all this bad stuff happening? And we, don't, we fail to recognize that sometimes God is pulling us through some junky stuff in order to bring us into our destiny. Tony Evan calls it detours to destiny. We hate detours, don't we? How's it going over there? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the pastors couldn't put it back together again. Do you know, like I said, I'm a farm boy. Not an Ontario farm boy. I'm a, I'm a Manitoba farm boy. Married a Saskatchewan girl. We were living in Saskatchewan. And um, I was the uh, purchasing person for a large manufacturing company. Life was good. I was pastoring on the side, and um, things were going well. And then, so well that I even had the opportunity of leading my boss to the Lord and his kids and baptizing them too. How can it get any better than that? But then God nudged us out of Saskatchewan into Ontario. And I never, ever, ever wanted to come to Ontario. When you're from the West, you never want to come East. I've heard it said, too, when you're from the East, you never want to go West. I don't know what's, you know, is, is, uh, there's there's a great divide that happens somewhere between uh, Sault Ste. Marie and Thunder Bay, I think, or somewhere around there. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but... You know, it's almost like to cross over that line is, is like going to brokenness or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyways, we came this way, and um, I was given an opportunity of being ma- the, you know, a manager in a uh, 
LED manufacturing opportunity. And I thought, maybe this is, maybe this is God's way. Like Pastor RJ mentioned, my wife and I, we have, we have a passion for Bolivia. It's never, it's never gone. I, if God was to say, Larry, it's time, sorry, Pastor RJ, but I'm gone. <laughs> Not that I don't love this place, I really do. But you know, I love obedience to him more. And I do love Bolivia. But anyways, I want to go back. God brought us here. And the company that I was working for, because of government regulations and everything, I don't want to go into the details, but they, we had to shut the door. And I remember being on my knees in my office, crying out, Lord, why? Why did you bring us here? We've left family. We've left children. My oldest son and his wife live in Saskatchewan. And you know, it's hard to be away from family. But we left that. Our parents to come here. But had we never come here, we would have never have become a part of Windsor Christian Fellowship. Had we never become a part of Windsor Christian Fellowship, I would have never have gotten to know Pastor RJ and Pastor Mary. And perhaps I would have never have give, been given the opportunity to stand on this, on this stage and share my story with you. God allows things. He allows brokenness for a reason. You know, I spent so much of my life trying to fix myself. Everything in my life was works-based. I went to Bible college because of works. Because I thought that's what I needed to do to please God. I became a pastor, works-based, because I thought that's what I needed to do to please God. And while I was the pastor for the first time, God showed me in his word his love for me in a way that I never understood it before. That he loves me in spite of my brokenness. And that the real purpose of my brokenness is not for me. Not that I learned something, although we do. But the purpose of my story is to fulfill his story. To fulfill his story. That's the purpose. And as long as I was focused on trying to fix myself, I stayed in my brokenness. When I surrendered my life, my brokenness to him, are you ready to surrender yet, Pastor RJ? When you surrender, are you listening? <laughs> When you surrender it to Jesus Christ, then wholeness comes. Not physically, because we are in a broken world. And as long as we live in a broken world, we're going to get gray hair. Some of it will fall out for those of us that are maybe that inclined. Not me, thank goodness. But it gets gray. We get wrinkles. You know, we feel older than what we are sometimes because our body is broken. And we're part of a broken world. My mom got dementia and she died. You have a loved one that's died. It leaves us feeling broken. Do you know, so what's the solution? Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 12. 
Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Hmm. Relationship. Relationship, yep. That's it. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Amen. You know, there was a long time that I thought Jesus was the third person. No. Jesus is not the third person that stands with us. He's the first person. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 3, it says, He, referring to Jesus, was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own way. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Can you stand with me? There's never, there's never a time in our lives where we will be whole here on this earth. The Bible says that he works out our salvation until the day of completion. As, as much as Pastor RJ and Pastor Mary tried, it didn't get there. It's not very beautiful. It's not very beautiful. <laughs> as much as I tried on my own, I never got there. It's only through the brokenness of Jesus Christ and so we take this wafer in our hands and this wafer represents the body of Jesus Christ. And as I read in Isaiah 53, it says he was broken. Every time we have communion, I break this wafer and I picture in my mind Jesus Christ going through all of that. He was broken to the point of being unrecognizable. Can you imagine that? In spite of everything he did to show the people his love and his purpose, they still rejected him. And yet he is there calling out, come, follow me. Our wholeness is through brokenness. We cannot be whole if we are not first broken. And as long as we try to heal ourselves, we will fail. But Jesus Christ, he did it. He did it. Heavenly Father, I lift up this bread to you and I'm reminded of your brokenness. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that in your divine way, from a plan from so long ago, you knew that we would struggle, 
you sent your son Jesus Christ to show the way and yet in our humanity we try and we try and we try to heal ourselves Father God, I pray, I declare this morning that each one hearing my voice, those in this room, those watching over live stream, Father God, that we surrender ourselves to you. And we say, I am done trying, Heavenly Father, work through my brokenness so that healing can come, not just for me, but for others. Because as I share my story, others hearing my voice can find encouragement and healing. And I thank you for the story of Jesus Christ. I thank you for his life. And I thank you that my life is now connected with him through his body. In Jesus' name, amen. As we receive the cup this morning, I just want to read to you from... Luke 22, verses 41 to 44 in the Passion Translation. Church, let me encourage you that the Word of God, it's real, it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. It's not a storybook, it's not a fairy tale. Jesus really did go through all of that for us. All of the word of God, all of those people that the Holy Spirit records in his word. It's history. It's God's story. And it's real. It's true. It's the truest thing we have on this earth. And the word of God says, and then he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of agony away from me. But no matter what, your will must be mine. Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him. And the angel appeared. And he prayed even more passionately, like one being sacrificed. Until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping to the ground. Even before he got to the cross. He was shedding his blood for us. Jesus, in his humanity, like us, had to wrestle with his flesh and his will. Jesus had to choose of his own free will not to be used by God. But he, in that moment, had to choose not my will, Father, yours. But more, even more than that, that his will had to become his own. That what God wanted, Jesus wanted too. And he wanted that because of us. We were who he was looking to. We 
were the reason he said, I will. I choose yes. For you and for I. Lord Jesus, you said, you said, no one takes my life from me, no one. Freely, I lay my life down. Freely, I give it. Father, today, in every heart here and everyone in the sound of my voice, today, let it be our choice that we say, yes, we choose that you don't take our lives from us, that you say we choose. Freely, we lay our life down so that you can resurrect us new, so that you give us beauty for ashes, so that you make the way, Jesus, from brokenness to hope. Father, we thank you for your wisdom and your most precious gift of free will. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't take lightly the ability to choose. And even when it's hard, Lord God, we still can choose to trust you in all things that you will, you do, you have and you will continue, as your word says, to make a way for our good and thus the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we want to continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings, and we want to thank you, Windsor Christian Fellowship, for your continued faithfulness in your tithe and offering. So as you make your way out, you can either give uh, electronically or to one of the baskets or an usher. I just want to pray, Lord God, we thank you that your word says that we can test you in these things and that you provide for your children, that you make a way and that you will not open up the floodgates of heaven to pour out blessing over your children for our obedience to worship you and to give back to you all that we have. Father, we thank you that you bless the gift, bless the giver. I thank you, Lord, that we would give freely with a cheerful heart, no one feeling coerced, but that we give because we love you, Lord, and we trust you with our finances. We trust you in all things, in Jesus' name. We thank you for indulging us this morning. We pray that you're blessed. We pray that as you go forth that you have a wonderful week and that remember that God is working in you and that he is creating something beautiful out of our brokenness. Amen.